Today we're talking to Grant Horvath at Live Person about how he crushed quota by 200%. I think it's with prospecting, you know, especially with sales, really, just in general, it's really easy. Well, let me kind of step back, actually. (laughs) You know, with life in general, you know, if we even take exercise or health or anything that we're learning, it's kind of easy to get in this mindset where we're just looking for tactics, where we're looking for scripts. If it's exercise, we're working for the workout plan that our favorite celebrity uses and the exact amount of calories that they eat and the exact foods and If we take a step back a little bit and just conceptually look at what we're trying to accomplish, a lot of times there's a few questions that we can ask ourselves to really figure out like, hey, how can I approach this diet plan or this workout plan or just my own personal health more from a place of like understanding what's going on here so I can customize it for myself. And if we can get to that with prospecting where we're not looking for email templates or scripts or like magic intros to say in cold calling, a lot of times we're going to be in a better place because we're going to find something that works for us. And that's why I'm super excited to talk to our guests today. And before we get to that, if you're tuning into the podcast for the first time, my name is Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting. And my goal with this podcast is really focusing on helping you know reps and sales teams that you know love landing those big meetings with prospects, but hate it when they go to you know customize an email and the prospect doesn't respond or you go to make a cold call and the prospect maybe gives you an objection that you don't know how to handle. And it leaves you feeling, you know, not super confident about what you're doing. My goal is to help you with strategies and tactics to help you land more meetings with your ideal clients. So thanks for tuning in today. We're talking to Grant Horvath. I'm super excited for you to listen to this conversation because uh, I mean, he doubled his quota at live person before he became an account manager recently. And what he talked about, I thought was really cool, was three things. And he's going to dig into this in more detail in the interview. But it's the importance of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. So it's this habit of, hey, how do we get in this mode where things are a little bit uncomfortable? We don't know what to expect, but but we like being in that zone. We're going to talk about starting from intent. So like, what is your intent when you reach out to this account and this person? And then always asking why. In other words, what's in it for the prospect? So I'm super excited for you to listen to this one. Before you get to this, make sure to check out the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour. This is the last week of live webinars, actually. And this week, we're talking to Kendra Lee about follow-up and cadences. We're talking to Nimit uh, Bot about you know their experience hiring almost 200 SDRs and what he's learned from that. And then we're talking about Morgan Ingram uh, with video. So make sure to turn, tune into that. It's tour.blissfulprospecting.com. There's a link in the show notes too. So if you're listening to this on your phone, just look in the show notes. It's tour.blissfulprospecting.com. We're going to leave the replays up there for a little while too if you if you missed some of them. But it's all about prospecting and how you can set more appointments. So make sure to check it out or share it with your team. And let's get to the interview. One of the things that stuck out to me when I first met you was, you know, we were sort of doing like a pre-show chat, right? Is what, mm-hmm. what they call it. Um is you seem to like really have some good wherewithal on how to connect, you know, sort of things like how do I connect what our company does, what I do, what we care about with like what the prospect cares about. And what I was wondering is if we step back even prior to your sales career, have you always been like kind of had a knack for like talking with people and, you know, kind of getting them interested in stuff? I feel like that's something that people in college, you see people that are really good at 
getting people to want to come join what they're doing, go to the party or whatever, or, you know, stuff like that. Was there anything that you did younger prior to your sales career where some of the stuff came into play that you found that you naturally did well? Yeah, that's a great opening for that, Jason. Um, I would, I would just say growing up with one, you have to be an extrovert to some extent, or at least a social, somebody who's social, but I grew up with older parents. And so for me to hang out with my dad, who was my idol, I had to act like an adult. And so yeah. I learned very quickly by hanging out with him and, and getting a chance to go golfing with him when I was five, six years old, that I needed to act and, and be mature with how I spoke with his friends and his guys that he played golf with. And so I think those experiences of having to talk to people that are 40, 50 years older than you at that point in your life, you have to just, you have to be comfortable with, with having a conversation with somebody that, that just looks at you as like, you're just a child. And why are you talking to me like you're a grown adult? So yeah, I think growing up and having that experience of kind of jumping into the deep end and wanting to, uh, to have that opportunity to talk to people has really kind of given me this um, experience of being nat- more natural about it. Um, this is definitely a, a learned behavior. It's not trained. Um, you learn it over the course of time, but I think those, those innate um, intangible things that you have about yourself, whether you're social or outgoing, I think that certainly helps, but those experiences really on trying to just talk to people that were way older than me, really gave me the, the platform for how I approach uh, my conversations today with, with people I know and, and, and prospects as well. Yeah. It's, you hear that, you know, be com- comfortable with being uncomfortable, right. Mm-hmm. Is an expression you hear sometimes. And it's really interesting because that's kind of, I think what you're talking about, right. It's it, cause I remember being a, a kid and you know, my dad was hanging out with his friends or whoever, S- similar kind of thing. It sounds like with you, and I was always very careful about what I would say because I, I wanted to actually participate in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be the kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's great imagery for salespeople, especially younger salespeople that are just getting into it for the first couple of years is, you know, I'm in my 20-something or even early 30s and you're prospecting to someone that's just been doing what they've been doing for the last 30, 40 years it's a C-level person, VP yeah. person, or maybe they're working at a really big company and they feel like, it seems like very important. You almost feel like, what, what, what could I say to this person that they would actually find valuable? <laughs> you know, when you, when you were starting in sales, did you go through that or what is it like, oh, it's just a person? I'm just talking no, about no, it's, it's exactly how you just articulated at the beginning of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think, honestly, that's my one of my top three uh, slogans or, or however you want to look at it like that, being comfortable with being uncomfortable is absolutely the number one thing that if you, if you accept that you will be really successful at, as an SDR, as an outbound prospector, because you realize that when you have the most fear or the most, uh, uncomfortable, uh, feeling about a particular individual, that's been a C-level person that's been 20 or 30 years in the role, and you start to go, how am I going to break through the noise? That is when you know you're on the right path for essentially overcoming that fear. And so that is definitely something that I've had to work on over the course of my life, uh, getting into this career, uh, not being good at school. You always have this self-doubt, but getting into a sales role and then having equal opportunity to somebody else to 
overcome our, we all have these fears. Definitely uh, the number one thing that I think se separates the best from, from just the good is their ability to continue to overcome all sorts of fear um, by continually being comfortable with being uncomfortable. So yeah, I totally agree with you, Jason, on that. Yeah, it's such a weird idea, you know, to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. It, just, it sounds, it doesn't sound like you can do that, but it's it's a really weird thing once you get it. Um, you mentioned you have three slogans. What are the other two? <laughs> um, <laughs> throw me on the spot here. I should yeah. have those down. Um, you don't got this tattooed on your body somewhere? Yeah, right. I haven't done that yet. Working on that. Um, you know, I would say the second the second thing, and we'll talk about it, is start from the intent. Mm -hmm. so holistically looking at whatever it is that you're doing and have the end goal in mind already and understand what is the intent of my actions for what I'm about to do. And this is a really important thing for me. And we'll talk about it here today on the, on this conversation. And then I would say the, the, the final thing is start with why which goes into the intent piece, but start with why and really know what the why piece is for what you're doing in that point in time as well. Um, those are the three things that I, that I probably would say I'd live by the most is my top three uh, slogans, so to speak. So It's so funny. This is why I love sales because so much of the personal elements of this are totally sales related and vice versa, right? I feel like since I've become more aware and just a better person the last couple of years, a lot of that due to like therapy, which I've talked a lot openly about on this podcast, if you listen to it, um, it's all stuff like you become a better person and you become a better salesperson, you become a better salesperson. Oftentimes that stuff helps you just be a better person too. Yep. So we started out with this being comfortable with being uncomfortable, which, which I find interesting because it's like almost this acceptance that like it never actually gets comfortable. Like if no. you're doing a good job as a salesperson, you never hit this moment where like making a cold call doesn't give you a little bit of a rush or make you a little bit anxious. <laughs> yeah, know? no, totally. The, the goal is not to hit Mount Everest. The goal is to always think that the top of the mountain is still ahead of you and you took the extra few feet to get to summit, but you still haven't reached there. But the thrill of getting, you know, over that, dangerous spot to be almost in reach of the summit is like, that's the goal of it. Right. Yep. Um, I, I work with some incredible sellers and the biggest thing they have shared with me over the last two years of working with them has been always um, seeking out more from that current environment that you're in. So not just looking at it and going, Hey, like the end goal is a, is a signed contract, but really setting setting the situation and going, I'm gonna to have to do this again. So what what why am I like assessing the why piece there? Why why is this working? What hasn't worked, but ultimately not ever feeling like just because you do it once you're gonna be successful again. Just I guess what I'm trying to say is you always don't feel like you've reached the top. And if you don't reach if you feel mentally that you haven't ever reached the top, you'll never get complacent with with that experience of being uncomfortable and you'll always have a respect, I guess, for the the fear piece of, of getting it wrong or missing out on it, so to speak. So that's how I would just end it with that particular uh, feeling around being comfortable with uncomfortable. Yeah. I love it. And again, such a great metaphor for life. Um, okay. So we got that piece of it. It's funny that you mentioned this because we didn't really talk about these three things and they mm -hmm. perfectly segue into this. 
Um, where would you go next? Like when you're thinking about prospecting, like one of the things, again, that really just sticks out to me about you is, you know, people talk about helping people in sales, but they never really talk about what that sounds like or what it looks like or how to actually practically go about doing that. So which one of these two is, do you start with why first or do you start with the intent? Like when you're thinking about, I've been given these accounts sure. and now I need to get someone's attention, you know, at these accounts, like where, where do you start once you get that? Yeah, good question. So it's definitely starting with the intent first and then mm-hmm. leading into the why. And so you, you have a book of business, you have an ex, a, a book of accounts that you're working for a whole year or more. And so periodically throughout the year, certain types of, of, of companies are going to bring you opportunities. And then at other points in the year, they're, they're not. So it's when you break everything down and start with the intent of understanding how a ver- if you verticalize it or personalize uh, the, the type of accounts from the leaders that you're targeting, you can then begin to figure out the why. And so clearly, like clearly in point, we're, we're halfway through Q3 right now. This is going to be the first holiday season that is completely different than what we've all experienced in the past, which was we all know when October 1st happens, IT shuts down and the chances of having conversations are gone. They're just they're just erased from a calendar. And this year, you know, it's really different. So what does that mean, though, when you think about it, if you were starting this process six months ago or a year ago? We didn't know COVID was going to happen, but if you had broken down from the why or the intent piece on what brands that you have that you think are going to be a fit throughout the different periods of time, then you can start to understand, well, why, you know, why is retail, but before retail was never a fit for conversations in Q4, they're dealing with Black Friday, they're dealing with holiday shopping. Now it's wait a second, did, did, is this retailer surviving for one? And then two, what are they doing to help combat the issues of not having foot traffic in stores? What are they going to do for their customer that they have never been challenged with before? So that now becomes a new why, but you start with the intent of analyzing deep on what your accounts are that they offer you. And everybody's going to have a different level of accounts, but the, the, the message that I'm trying to articulate here is if you start with the intent as to why that company is a buyer and then or the intent of that company is a buyer or not, and then go to the why at this point in time for the next quarter or for the foreseeable half year or longer, why should they be of importance to you for your, your pipeline? And we'll get into that on the show here about some of the things that I do to combat that or if you want me to, Jason, I'm more than happy to, to jump into that piece. Let's talk about this intent and kind of drill a, a, a hole here. So, so essentially what you're saying, and if you could backtrack, because mm-hmm. people might, well, let's actually go even a little bit further back from where I was planning. So did you have a say in account selection or did they just give you a list of accounts and said, hey, these are going to be the accounts that you're going after this quarter or this year? Yeah, so it was it was it started with here's the accounts that you have. Um, now I was fortunate to be the first hire two years ago, so I was given kind of the cream of the crop, so to speak. On you know, hey, if we look at all of our customers, and you look at retail, financial services, telco, uh, 
insurance and all the above, I was able to get some of the higher, highest quality accounts across that spectrum. So Mm -hmm. I have the best chance at getting the biggest brands to commit the biggest spend with us. So they gave me that. And then they, as over time for performing while I was given access to more top tier accounts, but I still have to handle and address the same challenges as everybody else did on my team of, you know, throughout these two years, every, you go through these experiences just because I had the best, some of the better accounts doesn't mean that I could actually create the better result that that might be because they're the hardest ones to break into. So yeah. you have to, you still have to think about um, the, the intent piece of like, what, what is it that we're trying to do here? Can we do anything? So to speak. Gotcha. And I, so you were the first sales hire or the first SDR hire or first SDR hire okay. for the enterprise group at live person yeah. back in 2018. Which is crazy. Uh, live person's just been growing like insane, dude. In the mm-hmm. last two or three years, uh, you guys mm-hmm. have like over fifteen hundred people at your company now. I was looking on, on LinkedIn just now. Yeah, yeah, we're a big startup, but we're publicly yeah. traded. We like to say it. Um, we've been around for twenty five years. We've had many reorganization reorgs, as we call yeah. them. And and I was kind of we just kind of went through one right now, but. Three years ago, two and a half years ago, when I came, uh, we we were going through that process, and for about a year and a half, they didn't have any SDRs working anything. So I came in from scratch and kind of built out the way that I wanted to attack this. And over time, they gave me higher and higher quality accounts. But I've always been given everything and, and have had little say on what I should work on. Um, but at the same time when you're given those accounts, not by choice, you have to figure out what's the right, what's going to work for you right now. What's going to work for you in three months, six months, and what do you need to do over a course of the year? And when you think about it that way and you break it down to the literally the individual month or the week, uh, you can then start to really build out that roadmap for how are you going to hit your goals? And for me, it was always trying to hit 200% of quota every single month. And in this role, even through COVID, I can tell you I was successful in never dropping below 200%. That's crazy, dude. Per month. And I'm really fortunate that, one, I have a job, but two, I've been really fortunate that throughout this adversity, I have still hit 200% um, every, every single month, which I feel like that's a pretty amazing achievement to have. So, but it's again, it starts with understanding and analyzing how to break your, your, what you have available, uh, and, and figuring out the right levers to pull at the right time. That's yeah. the strategy piece. So this intent piece, can you give us an example and kind of walk through, you mentioned like analyze, like, Hey, as a buyer, you know, why does this make sense? Like, what are some of the things that you're thinking about and looking if you had just some examples and sure. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about the actual, yeah, no, no, logo. it's like generically kind of the types of companies um, yeah. What does that look like from an intent standpoint? What do you what What are some of the questions you're asking yourself? That sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So great question, Jason. Um, the first and foremost thing is understanding your understanding the company itself, and that there's two there's two to three reasons how you, or how you can analyze this. The first is understanding not just what there's being said about in the news, but if they're publicly traded, understanding what is that 10K report? What's that most recent 10K report saying? What are, what's the CEO saying? What's the CFO saying? Where are they spending money? Where are they not spending money? What's the, what is that direction? For us and what we do, digital transformation is a key term that's, that's being said in that type of a report. 
So it's understanding, is the company trying to change and disrupt their, their old ways of business and, and do things new? That's, a, that's one key thing. The second thing is, what are, what's the current people like in that company? Meaning, is it old, old, not old people, but people that have just been there for five plus years and it's a lot of tenure? That's a problem. If, it, if Usually that's a problem that, that I find in, in my role is if they've been there for a while, that means they're less likely to take a risk, less likely to be open-minded to taking a conversation. So then you have to analyze whether or not that's the right time, right company to put your time towards if they're, if they're people that have just been there a long time. And then the third piece is, is if it is newer people and there's people that have transitioned into roles that are, say, a VP of digital or an SVP of customer experience or a new chief customer officer. Those are different personas that I like to find because those are the movers and shakers that are willing to take a bet, not on just the time piece, but those are people deep down that are literally, their job is to disrupt their business. And they're the ones that are going to take this all the way to the dotted line to get it done. Those are the types of people that I'm curious um, about finding in each organization because that's where we can get the golden ticket and run with it for, for the foreseeable future. So 10 Ks are something that uh, people have talked a lot about on the podcast, but I've never really dug into kind of the nitty gritty of 10 Ks because 10 Ks sound really nice until you open one and you look exactly. at it, <laughs> right? It's like, Holy exactly. shit. Um, how do you, is there any tools that you use to get transcripts of this stuff? Like, how did you f- guys figure out what the keywords you mentioned would be? Cause those yeah. are really critical elements to being able to, you know, spend 15, 20, 30 minutes coming through something versus hours, you know, pulling yeah, through the details. So an actionable piece of advice would be two things. One, create a Boolean search. Mm-hmm. And what a Boolean search will do for one is within LinkedIn sales navigator. And I'll, be happy to share an example with you of what condensed Boolean looks like so that anybody that's prospecting can swap out the format for their own uh, keywords. But essentially, you take on Sales Navigator a company and you go to that profile and you can either condense the headcount down to director level and up, or you can leave it as open and for any employee. And then in the, in the keyword search bar, you then paste this Boolean And what that does for you is it gives you a chance to analyze a company at scale very fast, the right people. Conversely, when doing this with a 10K, we have a small 10K uh, Boolean that we have used in the past that allows you to pull out where in the 10K the information that you need is. Because like you said, opening a 10K, you think this is a great idea. And then as soon as you open it past the executive summary, you're going, what on earth did I just get myself into? So making it easier to understand where and what you're looking for really has been a key piece of, of learning for me personally that has made the SDR experience so great is by working smarter and, and using these Boolean searches for that has helped us in our anal- analyzing of, of a company or of a really of a vertical like retail, for example, and understanding what each brand is talking about, for example. So with the, do you use a tool for the 10 case? So no tool, no tool itself. We've kind of just created a manual process of, of, of bringing in the uh, right data points to collect uh, and then search for in a, in a 10 K. 
So it's as simple as what are the keywords that are important for you to understand whether or not the brand is going um, in the direction that you want. So for example, for what I would do in most 10K reports is I would type in digital transformation or customer experience, control F, and then you quickly condense to where those sections of the 10K report talk about that. If they're not talking about those two terms that I mentioned, then it's opening the horizon for other, you know, other terms that we know work within the existing Boolean search that we use in Sales Navigator that I just mentioned. Those are the types of strategies that I would use. And if nothing is talked about in that 10K around that, then I have to come up with an answer pretty quickly of understanding, is this company addressing anything? And if, and if I don't have the confidence that they are, then I know I'm not going to spend that much time on that. And I'll just wait until they, they talk about addressing these things. Because once you get the leverage of knowing that a company is trying to do X that fits your Y, then you can use that as ammo uh, because then it's quickly going to a prospect and saying, hey, your CEO talked about driving digital sales or your CFO talked about reducing costs. And as a leader focusing on this, how are you doing that to help to, to get to the company to this you know, level of cost reduction? We can help. You know, we can help you solve these things in, in these ways. But more importantly, we're doing it with your peers already through X, Y, and Z. When can we have a conversation around that? And so you're using things that fit what they feel comfortable with knowing because they know what was shared. And then yeah. two, you're making it really easy for them to think, okay, I trust you because you took time to understand my problem or what our company's doing. A little bit more than, than the most, right? Sticking mm-hmm. out the noise. Two, you're giving me confidence that you are actually really solving this problem because you're listing out brands that you're working with. And then three, you may even elaborate on people that you're currently working with that are the peer to that person of interest that you're targeting. And those three things are some of the most important ways at getting somebody to stand out from the noise and go, okay, I'm going to take a conversation with you because I feel that I can trust what you're saying is real. And I have the confidence knowing that I'm going to gain something from this conversation. That's crazy. So you guys, you, you guys download like the PDF versions of those 10Ks and go through them. That's cool. That's something that's accessible, uh, accessible, excuse me, for anyone. Exactly. Keywords, love it. Um, So you talked about people at these companies too. So it sounds like it's sort of a red flag based on what you guys sell. And I think the the context here would be really any technology solution, any SaaS solution where you're kind of disrupting the normal way that a company might be doing this and presenting something completely new or helping them fix a problem that requires a lot of education they didn't even know that they had, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, So if you see tenured people five plus years and you're not seeing a lot of new hires and things like that, or roles like a chief product officer, like stuff that's kind of out of the box, you know, not your normal kind of stuff. That would be a red flag for you. Where if like, if you have a choice, if you had 50 accounts, let's say, and 10 of them fit that description, you'd be like, well, it's probably better to focus on the other 40. Exactly. And so that's how you're prioritizing your time. Exactly. Because you're starting yeah. with the intent. And that gets us back to what we talked about at the beginning was understanding the intent and then basing your why around that. When you can understand from analyzing an organization in the way that you just described it back to the audience, that's exactly how you can become way 
more impactful with your job and the results that you create because you realize you're not just putting in time every day to make X amount of calls, X amount of emails and X amount of research. It's like you are systematically creating a system. You're creating a system around how to appropriately go after the right account at the right time. And then coupling that with the right why that's going to convert that into a meeting. That's, ultimately the most successful way of going about this this role and, and being a top performer is really thinking it along those lines. So you actually made me think of something here that I've always been curious about but never asked. Pipeline stages. Pretty easy when you look at it from a macro standpoint as a VP mm-hmm. of sales you know, right? It's like opportunity, uh, working the opportunity, uh, agreement out, you know, it's like very basic kind of stuff that someone like that wants to know. But as an SDR, especially when you're working enterprise and large mid market, like it sounds like you are, how do you measure progress on an account? Because a lot of people, I think, do what you're saying, where it's like, hey, I just need to hit my activities. But it sounds like you're looking at this more like, hey, I have these accounts, like, what's the progress? Yeah, on penetrating these accounts. Is there any way that you measure that or have any other progress outside of I'm just hitting my activities? Is there any way that you measure it? Yeah, I would say it's all going to come down to the individual, but more importantly, it's what is the best business driver for the company? Meaning what's in the best interest of the company? It's getting closed revenue out of the work that you do. And so by setting realistic achievements for driving X in pipeline and or X in conversions that create actual revenue throughout the year, my goal has always been not to get the most ops. I'm, I'm definitely somebody that hits my quota and hit it, hits it higher than other people. But the why piece is way more important on knowing does the chances of creating, say, 15 or 20 meetings in a month, do I actually get a buy-in deal out of these companies within six to nine months, which is the traditional selling cycle for SaaS? I want to get the I want to get more stage four plus deals working as opportunities, real opportunities for my team that I support. And by doing that, I know at the end of the day, we're going to create you know, several million dollars in bookings throughout that year, which is my personal goal. But I tie that into the revenue bookings goal of my reps that I support and our executive staff and what they're trying to accomplish. So if a leader, sales leader is trying to hit 30 million in bookings, then it's breaking it down for what is what is my role truly create for the bookings piece? And then saying, okay, if it's a two and a half million dollar number on 30 million, even though that, that two and a half million doesn't tie to me per se, how can I make sure that what I'm doing is going to create X amount of dollar per quarter to achieve that goal at the end of the year? And that's, again, starting with intent and then building the why piece every every quarter, understanding what are those opportunities that are progressing to buy in to get to a closed deal, um, which goes back to what, you know how you think about this thing, essentially. Is there, I love that. Is there anything else that you look at in terms of stages. So like if you looked at, if, if you're working 50 accounts, is there any way that you categorize these companies based on your progress of breaking into the account? So for example, um, you know, making contact with a decision maker at a company like that, I'm sure is like, that's a milestone right on your, on your way to getting 
like an opportunity for your AE or whoever. Is there anything else that you look at like yeah. that in terms of measurable milestones to like know your progress, like up to the point of your job's done now and it's handed off to the sales team? Precisely. So you're stuck at stage three. So on seven sales cycles, stage three is education. You're stuck at education. You may have had a demo or multiple demos. You may have had multiple conversations with other mobilizers in the company. But to get to that stage four buy-in where either the executive sponsor comes about, the actual product or pricing is then delivered, and then stage four is the end goal for me. So for every quarter, I broke it down into four, and our team does, stage four. We want four stage four deals every quarter. So four new stage four, which means... We have buy-in, we've got commitment, we've either put in front of them a contract or at least the scoping of a contract with pricing. We have a mobilizer that can make that happen. Those are the two things that come down to, or executive sponsor rather. Those are the two things that come down to how I assess for your question, what do I look at every you know quarter or every month? Do I have my four commits in, in stage four for that for that period of time? And if I do, then that means I'm having, I'm doing what I need to do because then at that point, it's a law of averages on how many yeah. and how fast convert at what point in time. How much time are you guys spending mapping out an account before you okay. start prospecting to them? Like, like, can you just give an example? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, I love this. Is what a, does this it look like? like you know? Oh God, I love this question. So mapping out an account, if I'm, if I'm taking a brand new account, and I'm going to go to work on that account. My, I set a timer. I put a calendar invite on my calendar, block out one hour. And that one hour is worth the time. I have the prospects. I have the story. I have the intel, the data for my data sources, providers, and news that I collect. And then I have my first draft of a story that's going out at the end of that hour. So every hour, I should be able to build out 10 key prospects that I want to target or more. I have my data on what do I know about this company, if I have it from internally or externally sourced it. Three, I have my general intel on what we know about that brand from the vertical they're in or what I can pull from from news or anything else that I can get my hands on. And then four, I crafted my first introduction email going out and I'm basically repurposing that email to every different persona. So even if I'm targeting one IT, one digital, one marketing, or one customer care person, I repurpose that piece of material for everyone, changing out very small things so that I can scale my time faster and I can get the testing and the learning piece out and know, have I said something that is resonating? Did I figure out what was important to them? Are they opening it? If I don't get any opens, what was the issue? You know, at least you can test and learn and iterate. I spend an hour doing that on the account mapping for for just majority of my accounts. If it's a very big, big, big brand and it's like a Fortune 50 company, I might spend a two-hour block of time doing the first hour that I just described and then spending a second hour using our resources internally to mobilize different people that have the nuggets or that have you know, have maybe sold to that company, have 
maybe experience trying to sell to that company. I need to get other people's feedback so that I can make sure that what I'm doing is the right outputs. But the bigger the account, you definitely spend a little bit more time on. And it's not just two hours or one hour and you're done. It's more of that's the baseline expectation of what you need to do at the beginning. And then as you grow into that account and and start seeing what's resonating and working, you continue to spend more and more time on it as, as you need to, if you can't convert to get a meeting sooner. So that's great, man. Prospects story and then Intel and then building your, uh, just like that first draft, that narrative, does that segue into the why now part? Is that what the story is? Is like thinking about, Mm-hmm. Well, hey, I've got all this intel. I've done the intent aspects of this. Why does it make sense for us to have a discussion right now? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then it's utilizing internally what live person does. For example, um, you know, I always say selling products and features never gets you true time. Mm-hmm. Selling a why on a conversation without the product is I think the biggest attribute that I have. And so for me, it's assessing the higher up the food chain, what's going to get somebody to take a look at my email and and say, I'm interested in talking. And I find that when you can approach a C-level person by bringing them into a discussion because of an opportunity for them to connect with their peers or the opportunity to provide that C-level person with Intel that their peers are already doing with you or that you know that they they want to know, that increases your chances of getting the why now piece. And then breaking that down for each title, essentially, as you go down. For us, it could be we have an, we have an executive event that we'd like you to attend. Hey, I have an opportunity for you to join uh, a C-level peer discussion, and I want you to be a part of this group of these amazing leaders like X, Y, and Z from these brands, those are the opportunities that stand out. That's not selling either. That's really saying, hey, I want you to just, I just want you to know that you have the opportunity to join this. Would love for you to be a part of it if you can make it happen. Oh, you can't make this happen? Hey, I'd love to give you the feedback from what's discussed from a, from an executive review, as well as an introduction to some of the things that we do with some of these attendees. You know, what can we work that out for your schedule in the future? Those are, that's not selling, that's not selling just live person as a feature or a product. That's just selling from a consultative perspective. Hey, I'm trying to help you. And when you lead with that type of why, why I'm trying to help you now, your chances increase for getting at meetings sooner rather than, you know, having to build six months of rapport to then ultimately have the, uh, you know, to be comfortable with then asking, okay, let's have a call now or a conversation now. And this is why having a great marketing department like you guys do helps too, <laughs> right? People that are throwing on these events and that sort of stuff. But I mean, for someone that's listening and selling to SMBs and mid-market, you can do this stuff yourself too. I've exactly. seen lots of people that have a decent book of business and they connect their clients. That's the number one thing that we always recommend. Get your clients on a Zoom call like this, half a dozen of them. That's, that's all you need. And just have help facilitate a conversation, yep. topic areas related to your business. So don't be completely irrelevant to what you're talking about and just help them facilitate a conversation. And they share all kinds of cool ideas. And then for people that couldn't make that meeting or when you're prospecting, you can share the insights from those calls. We did this right when COVID went down and I was just blown away at the stuff that our clients were helping each other and how eager they were 
to talk mm-hmm. to each other too. So I, I love that. That's a really sound tactic. It, yeah. And let me go deeper on one thing, just because it's really important that I highlight this. And, and this is something that just made me think about it since you brought it up. When there's so many pieces of information out there that could help you explain your, your case or your, your product or your business. But the top ones at the end of the day are the Forrester reports, the Gartner reports, those high quality insights from big, big research firms are second to none in terms of the value that they create. And so if your company fits in with a segment that is highlighted by one of these type, uh, types of research firms, utilizing that to say, hey, this is what's going on and, and this is what we're doing are you currently doing this or not? Or are you thinking about doing this or not? Let's just have the conversation. That's a wonderful piece of, of, of value to, to offer. I will add to your point, people that are that are in an SMB role or mid-market role, and they're like, hey, you know, I've got like very small companies. I might only have one decision maker. How do I need to think about approaching this grant? Like, please help me. What I would say about this is when you break down the types of meetings that you're having, I'm not booking every meeting every month in the way of saying we have an event. I would say if you're booking 20 meetings, you probably have got five meetings that you got, you were just really good at staying in front of somebody and you finally got them to commit time. Another five could be, hey, we've talked in the past, we're following up again, you asked us to follow up and you're converting those. And then the remaining 10 can come down from quality net new work, which is we've never spoke before, but this is what we're doing in, in your industry. This is how we're helping your peers. And then the other five could be, this is, um, we just we just signed, we just started working with a, a, another organization like yours. Here's what the problem, here's a problem that they were identifying to solve. Are you currently thinking about this in the same way? Would love to be a resource for you. Those are how I would break down the meetings that we're getting to help really kind of contextualize what is Grant really doing in his role? And yeah. ultimately, what is the breakdown of, of those meetings that you're getting? That's how I would say that if on average, I book 20 a month, that's what the 20 look like that you're getting. No, that's good perspective, man. Yeah, and the one thing I keep hearing you say a lot as a theme too is, and I don't know, you, you think this would be kind of obvious, but the social proof element of, I want to know what my peers are doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's social proof theory, right? Yeah. It, when people are uncertain about what to do, they look to people that are like them. And in business, that's if you're working with people that are competitors of theirs or people in the similar space or similar size or dealing with similar problems, like, yeah, these executives want to know what they're doing, especially if it's related to COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, what are they thinking about in the next three to six months? Um, so I love that, man. Is there anything else that you want to elaborate on? We got a couple more minutes here around this why component of connecting with peers, intel from peers. Is there anything else around when you create that story, what it sounds like, what you're looking for, how you connected, anything like that? It's hard to elaborate further, but I think if there was one thing that I want to hone in on, Jason, it would be a business, a leader, the higher up the chain that you go from a leader's perspective, they are tied to the performance of the business. And there's yep. no better time than right now to look at businesses and go, who is struggling the most that you perceive to be struggling? And then creating these, these maps, like you said, account mapping of a plan. 
mapping out an account and going, here's what their problem is they have they have to be experiencing. If it's travel, it's it's they can't book people at hotel rooms and they're not flying on airplanes. So solving those problems by understanding the intent and then the why piece, if you really think about why an airline or a travel company or anybody that fits that mold right now in COVID, why they shouldn't talk to you because of the obvious, that's the that's that's where you should say, okay, I'm going to focus more effort on that because they're more likely to want to have a conversation with somebody that might be able to help them solve a specific problem around how do they how do they reduce their costs or how do they increase their conversions? But why should they why should they do that now, even though it's obvious that with COVID people can't fly or book a room? That's that's where you should dive deeper into to think about um, how you should spend your time there and, and, and why. Um, I have some examples that I can share with the audience. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn if you're curious around that. Um, but um, I would just emphasize the why pieces. You got to just really put yourself in their shoes and understand they've given me objections for five months about we're trying to stabilize our business and we'll follow up with you. That's just a pure objection, just like it is with, hey, we don't have budget. We don't have the capacity. That's just another common objection. They're certainly trying to solve a problem. And it's about why you think that you have the right solution, not from a product, but why do you have the right solution? to position an idea story around them about getting time with them to solve X or Y. That's where you can stand out and, and take any objection that's common and turn it into a positive opportunity. One thing that I've been saying lately that I feel like aligns with this is oftentimes when we prospect, we're trying to get people to reprioritize what's important and, and put our stuff at the top of the list when that's like the hardest thing in the world to do. And it sounds like your approach is find uh, find current priorities that you can align with. And if exactly. it's an executive, let me know if you see this differently. They really care about three things. Their job is connected to growing top line revenue, growing profit or reducing expenses, mm-hmm. and then reducing risk, you know, mm-hmm. whatever ways that they measure risk. Mm-hmm. If you can find a way to connect with one of those three things, I mean, which most solutions do. You just need to yeah. kind of make that connection for people yeah. and then look for intent, like you're saying, and have a reason why. Make assumptions. Yeah. Make assumptions on why you fit in with, as you just described, the three most important things that these leaders at the VP level and up are tied to. And just make it very clear how you fit in with that. But change, start with a story, test it, see if it works, and then iterate on that story bring it back to the top of their inbox because let's just assume they're busy. Everybody's dealing with putting out fires because of COVID. Send it once, reply to it once. If they don't, if they looked at it and they didn't respond to it, think another way of repurposing the same story again in another on, at another time of day and then change that why just very so slightly, but keep iterating upon that and, and see if you can continue to get in front of somebody. And then at the end of the day, if you can't reach that person, then think about, okay, what, what am I missing here? If I'm targeting a five or six different types of personas in this company that I know needs my help, why, and they're not answering, really assess that why piece. And then that why piece could be, 
okay, is it because we're coming into Q4 right now and for the month of September, they've been dealing with budget meetings and I'm just happening to reach out at the worst possible time, but maybe my content piece is good. Understand if that's that why. Talk to other people internally about it. Talk to your peers and your network about, about issues around that. But ultimately, just really understand the why, understand the intent, but understand the why they want to have a conversation right now and why you fit in with their prerogative rather than, as you said, making them think they need to repurpose and reprioritize. You don't want to think, you don't want to present yourself that way. You want to present how you fit on top of their current initiatives and why it's important for them to think about you or speak to you before they finalize that current set of initiatives. That's ultimately the way the most successful SDRs or successful prospecting uh, sales reps um, are able to figure out how to step in and, and think about this or to get the answer that they're looking for, which is that meeting. Dude, love it, man. This time flew by, dude. You shared a ton of stuff. I love this like framework of, hey, you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, start with intent, and then work your way into why. Is there anything before you take off your... I guess kind of rapid fire style. Is there one resource that you would recommend? Is there any books or podcasts or anything else like that that you've consumed that have helped, you know, with this? And then where do you want people to go to connect with you, man? Yeah. So from a resource, it's not, there's no, there's no secret sauce. There's no book that's going to change your life. It's, it's a matter of the innate curiosity that each individual listening has about figuring out these types of uh, situations for themselves. If you have that type of curiosity of figuring out what is it that makes it work and the why piece for the company, why is the company successful that you work for and why are other sales reps successful? Talking with your peers about how they think about a framework for being successful is really, I think, the key to what my success has been. And then ultimately, it's just continuing to learn how others are taking actionable execution on their job. So listening to this podcast for one has been very helpful. Listening to brands, uh, other store, like other uh, examples, like the sales success stories with Scott Ingram. Um, I think that's been another one that I've developed kind of the, the whale hunter, so to speak, as these big $50 million pipeline uh, people that are, are closing deals of that magnitude, just Listening to other people talk about uh, their why has been something that I've seeked out. But ultimately, it's the conversations internally with the top performers and the executives that have the the teams that are performing the best. Learning from them is where you'll develop your why and learn that framework personally for what makes your ability to be successful in that company that you work for. The best place to get in touch with me is uh, LinkedIn, Grant Horvath. Uh, feel free to connect with me. I uh, would love to uh, to share anything uh, that I elaborated on around the Boolean search, um, anything around the 10K reporting, happy to uh, to help you and always be a resource for you. So, Awesome. That was a really fun interview. Uh, Grant, Just I love talking to people that just really know their stuff, that crush it and get really good results. And one thing I keep coming back to from that interview is this, like being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I know that sounds like a really simple thing, but that's something that really you know helped me when I was doing stand-up comedy. It's something that's helped me in my sales career. It's something that helped me as an entrepreneur too, that I still experience is, Hey, if I'm not a little bit uncomfortable, I'm not pr- probably pushing myself hard enough or taking enough risks and asking 
enough. So being comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's my lesson. That's my big takeaway. So I'd love to hear from you, though, uh, with a short, honest review of what you think of the podcast. So if you're listening to this, you can go find the podcast at blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes. Or if you're listening to it on your podcast player on your phone, uh, if you're listening on an Apple device, Make sure to check it out. Leave a review. If you scroll down to the bottom, click on ratings and review, and I'd love a short, honest review from you so we can continue growing the show and putting out good interviews. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.